Statues. Bread. Watermelons. Welcome to Knickknack News. I'm Anthony. And I'm Alex. And my first story today is health news. So if you have been listening to our podcast, you would have heard Anthony talk about a story in one of our episodes about a giant plant that was dangerous, the giant hogweed plant. Yep. Well, I have a story involving the giant hogweed plant of something that happened this past week. Um, the headline is, and this is from uh, HuffPost.com, the headline is, Teen Covered in Severe Burns After Run-In with Plant from Hell. <laughs> I wonder what plant. Hmm. Alex Childress, 17, was doing landscaping work near Fredericksburg, Virginia, when he chopped down a large weed, according to the Richmond Times-Dispatch. When doing so, the plant brushed against his face and arm. Unbeknownst to Alex, the plant was giant hogweed. Giant hogweed sap essentially prevents your skin from properly protecting itself against sunlight, causing your skin to start burning in as little as 15 minutes after contact. Getting the sap in your eyes can even lead to permanent blindness, which we discussed the last time this was talked about. Um, So when this guy first noticed his skin hurting, he thought he had just gotten a sunburn, though his parents suspected otherwise and took him to a hospital. As it turned out, the teen had developed second and third degree burns all over his face and arms from the hogweed sap. He told people that when he first got in the shower after landscaping, chunks of his skin were falling off. Ah. The severity of the burns meant that he had to stay in the hospital's intensive care unit for two days, and supposedly he can't go out into the sun for anywhere from two to six months after this, and his face could be sensitive to light for years from this. It's crazy. Oh my gosh. It's insane. It's even worse than I remember from the other story. I didn't realize the... uh, this, the sun sensitivity, like I, I didn't realize that was the actual cause of the burns. I thought it was like a chemical. It seems like that's what it is. So like thing. he had it on his skin and then he was outside doing uh-huh. the like landscaping work and stuff. And because he had it on there, it like immediately like caused him to just not be able to be protected against like the sun. It's like anti-sunblock. Yeah. It's insane. And like he didn't even, so he just was like, oh, I'm getting like sunburned and it turned into like second and third degree burns. It's like all over his face. It's like, Holy it's insane. This plant is like wow. really terrifying. Um, so then uh, PSA from this article, if you think you may have come in contact with giant hogweed, the New York Department of, of Environmental Conservation recommends thoroughly washing the affected area with soap and cold water, just cold water if it's your eyes, keeping the area away from sunlight for 48 hours and seeing a doctor if you have any reaction. Huh. Where did this plant come from? Like, what benefit does it get from causing this? Oh, you mean like, why does it... Yeah, why did it evolve this trait? That's a really good question. Because it's not like, by the I, time I you've got know. it on you, what do you... Like, it's not like it's defending itself from you. It's just making you feel bad that you killed it. <laughs> mm, I, well, okay, so some plants are like that, right? Like, they right. develop some type of marker that they're poisonous. Yeah, and I mean, it's probably not edible, but... To, like, like this... not eat that plant because of something that they... Right. So maybe, like, this plant hurts animals too or something and that like and it was a defense mechanism to not eat it or something like that i'm just speculating i have no idea that's a really good question that's probably that's probably probably related to it maybe it just maybe it's a coincidence like the chemicals that it like developed to be toxic to animals are also like that could be cause the sun sensitive i have no idea yeah i don't know i'm no botanist it's just like this this is it's like he was just out in the sun right like normal Uh, and that happened that's that's nuts. It's crazy. I hope I never see this plant. Same. 
Let's just never go to Virginia. It's, I mean, I didn't have any plans to. <laughs> no offense to Virginia. <laughs> yeah, me either. Like, no offense to Virginia, but I just didn't have any plans to go to Virginia. And now, and this is just another <laughs> and now reason I'm to not, not going to make plans to go. No, I'm just kidding. Like, now if I have an option between going to one place and going to Virginia, I'll be like, well, not the place with the giant, <laughs> the plant that, like, kills you. Right. Yeah. That makes chunks of your skin fall off. Yeah, I know that was a little gross, but. That was real gross. I just wanted to say that because it was in the article <laughs> and it kind of just spoke to the like level of severity of this yeah. one like he just was like you know outside like doing normal like outdoor landscaping stuff so oh gross so that was health news all right my first story is space news yes uh this was reported on vox um astronomers have discovered 10 new moons of jupiter New moons. <laughs> New moons, you guys. So Wow. <laughs> the That's inter- interesting. It's the International Astronomical Union has confirmed the discovery of 10 new moons of Jupiter, which brings the total to 79 um, discovered wow. moons. Uh, and that's just so far. Um, they weren't discovered until recently because they're relatively tiny, just a couple miles across or smaller. So they're, they're very small by moon standards. Um, and even with high-powered telescopes, it can be really hard to spot small objects that are next to something as big and bright as Jupiter. Also, and then I didn't this. I thought this was cool. Jupiter's gravity is so strong it can keep objects in orbit from up to eighteen point six million miles away. So uh, it's hard to know how many moons it has because there's such a giant area around it that could contain them. Whoa! Our moon is just two hundred thirty-nine thousand miles away for. Like perspective, wow. Uh, so that's cool. Uh, they discovered it with a 520 megapixel camera attached to the huge Victor M. Blanco telescope in Chile, um, which I, they gave another reference here. The iPhone has a 12 megapixel camera, so several. <laughs> it's, a, it's a couple orders of magnitude larger. Yeah, uh, <laughs> and it's this telescope is specifically calibrated to find faint objects. Um, when a telescope scans the sky, it takes in objects at all distances, but it's the motion of the objects that tell uh, astronomers what, what they are and where they are. So if it's moving about the same speed as Jupiter, they assume it's about the same distance and find out it's a moon. They made this discovery in uh, last year, but it took about a year of further studies to actually confirm that they're all moons. Hmm. Um, we've been discovering moons of Jupiter since Galileo spotted the first four large ones, uh, Callisto, Io, Europa, and Ganymede which are probably, if you've heard of any moons of Jupiter, those are probably the ones you've heard of. I've heard of Europa. There you go. Um, (laughs) Hey, (laughs) one out of four. I mean, it's not great. What was the first one? (laughs) Uh, Callisto. I've heard of that one too. Okay. Two out of four ain't bad. Yeah, it's 50%. Um, But that was in 1610. And we actually just discovered (laughs) another two moons last year. And then these 10 more this year. So who knows how many... (laughs) But uh, crazy. one of the cool things about this discovery, they haven't named nine of the moons, but they did name one of them that was kind of special. Its uh, name is Valetudo, which is after the uh, Roman goddess of health and hygiene and uh, Ju- uh, the god Jupiter's great granddaughter. Huh. Um, uh, and this moon has some special behavior. Uh, most moons that are close to Jupiter tend to orbit in what's called a prograde motion, which means it's going the same direction as uh, Jupiter's orbit or rotation. Mm. Um 
uh, the ones that are farther away are in what's called retrograde motion and that they go the opposite direction of the rotation. But Valetudo is orbiting in a prograde direction in the retrograde region, which contains approximately 40 other objects. So it's basically going the opposite direction of approximately 40 other moons that we know about at least. And so it's kind of like if you're on a highway <laughs> and going the opposite <laughs> direction of traffic. <laughs> And this moon is just like, woo! (laughs) That's weird. Just fly in the opposite direction. Why is everything... They don't know why. They don't know why this one in particular is going the opposite direction. It's possible maybe it started on the inside and, like has mm. slowly gotten farther away yeah or that's what i was thinking but, like where where did it start or where did it come from to um, get into that rotation like but scientists actually speculate that this moon it, a moon or a moon like this is the reason that there are so many moons around jupiter is that there's this giant moon flying backwards through a field of another a lot of other objects and it's possible that this moon or a larger previous version of it like hit other things broke into more pieces Mm. and now you got more moons that Uh, makes sense yeah i just thought that was really that was really fascinating i think we should all uh we should all be more like valetudo and go against the flow (laughs) unless it's you're driving on a highway in which case then don't don't do do that that. you should not do that on a highway but in life in life don't be afraid to to go your own way yeah I like that philosophical takeaway from this story, Anthony. Thank you. I thought it was it was inspiring. <laughs> so many moons. So many moons. Can you imagine if we had like ten moons? That'd be fun. You're like, oh look. I, I assume we wouldn't just call it the moon. Yeah. <laughs> moon yeah, moon wouldn't. number two. <laughs> You'd probably come up with fun names for them. So that was space news. Nice. Okay, I'm going to call this next segment Amazing People. All right. This is from Fox News, and the headline is, Man slices watermelons on stomach, sets Guinness world record. Okay. Did he beat a world record, or was that... Oh, he made this up and set the record. That makes more sense. Um, No, but this guy... Okay, so his name is Ashrita Furman. He holds the record for holding the most Guinness World Records, and he's earned 750 of them, (laughs) and 225 of them are still standing. Wow. Just this one guy. It's pretty cool. Well, if you keep making them up, then... Yeah, right. That's just what he does. So anyway, so like this past week, so he did a new one. He broke... um, It was on Tuesday. He set the world record for most watermelons sliced on his own stomach managing to chop through a total of 26 watermelons with a team of helpers. Uh, His quote is, my first reaction is I'm relieved that I didn't kill myself from the global news after completing the challenge. (laughs) Me too, buddy. (laughs) And the second is I'm exhilarated because it's not only a skillful record, it's also something that I invented and now it's out there and other people can challenge it. (laughs) So... I don't know. Stop me if you're going to get into this, but what does Go this ahead. look like? Is this just he, ha- he like he's, he's like li- laying down? He has a watermelon on his stomach, and yes. he like he has like pulls some down blade. like a blade. Correct. He's like pulling a blade, but like without sword hitting himself towards himself with no barrier between himself and the watermelon. Okay. That's okay. Now, I mean, now now at least I can visualize it. Yeah, yeah. 
Um, <laughs> Please continue. So, <laughs> Furman pitched the idea to Guinness officials after earning the world record for most watermelons sliced on a friend's stomach. Oh my god. <laughs> The organization. <laughs> Please tell me that all of his Guinness World Records are related to stomachs and or watermelons. No, I was more thinking like he just tries stuff on his friends first and then he does. <laughs> um, no, but the organization came back saying he would have to slice at least 20 to qualify, which Furman thought was a bit high. He says, I thought 15 would be safe, but 20 was pushing it, pushing it a little. Like, I don't know what the difference is, but okay. Sure, uh, sure. And he says, fortunately, we had a good team and everything worked well. Um, while Furman noted the dangers involved and advised against anyone trying this at home, he did applaud himself for the level of skill involved. <laughs> he says, as it went along, I had to sort of regulate how hard I hit the blade. And so doing that, but trying to be very conscious of where the blade was. And I noticed at one or two points, it was getting close to my arms. So I had to make adjustments, he told the Global News. Some other crazy records Furman holds include fastest mile run balancing a baseball bat, <laughs> most sit-ups in an hour under the Eiffel Tower, <laughs> and longest time juggling underwater. Okay. The first and the third one are impressive, but the second one, why, why is that different than well, doing sit-ups just, anywhere else? He just comes up with stuff to put... To submit to the Guinness Book of World Records. Why is that a record, though? Because no one else has done it. Yeah, but I don't know. I mean, you could think of a variation on anything and make it a record. It's like, it's easy to succeed at something if you're defining the goalposts. <laughs> you're right. And apparently this guy's proven that because he set... <laughs> how many was it now? 750 records. <laughs> like, what does he do... It is normal. He must spend all his time just going just around coming up with these. I guess coming up with these. Okay. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I think the watermelons thing is kind of impressive. It's just oh yeah, like, it's how impressive. did you come up with this? <laughs> exactly. It's impressive, <laughs> but uh, why? But why? But why the, is the big question? Yeah. I don't know. I'm impressed. I'm just flabbergasted flabbergasted <laughs> All right, my next story is food news alright prepare to have your minds blown because archaeologists have discovered the world's oldest bread <laughs> <laughs> the charred remains of a flatbread baked about 14,000 <laughs> 500 years ago in a stone fireplace at a site in northeastern Jordan show that people began making bread more than 4,000 years before they developed agriculture. <laughs> I don't know why this is so funny, but it's, it's for some reason. like I, uh, Calling it a flatbread just reminds me of like, I don't know, Applebee's or something. Just yeah. like, but like a really, really, really old. Scientists know. have discovered the world's oldest appetizer. <laughs> <laughs> if I get some 14,000 year old flatbread, will you have some? Will you have some? I'll have some. <laughs> anyway. Uh, <laughs> I'll try it. I'll try it. I'm open, I'll I'm open it. to no, new I'll things. Try it. Yeah, no, it sounds good. Yeah. I'll try some. Let's just bring it in and we'll try it on the show. Okay. Okay. Well, this flatbread uh, was likely unleavened and probably resembled uh, pita bread was fashioned from wild cereals such as barley, uh, einkorn, which I looked up as a type of wheat. The word literally means one grain, so I guess it's a single grain wheat. Oh. Um, 
or oats. Um, and it was made as well as a, a flower that was made from tubers that came from an aquatic relative of the papyrus plant. So the culture that made the bread was called the Natufians, which I've never heard of. Uh, and they'd begun to live mm -hmm. a sedentary lifestyle rather than a nomadic one, which was kind of uncommon for that time. Yeah. Because they had an invented civilization. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but, but dang it, we got bread. <laughs> So until now, the origins of bread had been associated with early farming societies that cultivated cereals and legumes. Uh, and the oldest evidence of bread before this was a 9,100-year-old site in Turkey. So this uh, pretty pretty solidly knocked the, the record out of the yeah. water. Not unlike our, our friend from the last story. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's possible now uh, that bread may have actually provided an incentive for people to take up plant cultivation and farming. So previously, they kind of assumed it was the other way around. Yeah. That bread was a product of farming. But mm -hmm. now they're thinking maybe they made bread and they're like, oh, we like bread. <laughs> maybe we'll try farming. <laughs> we want more ingredients for bread. <laughs> I mean, bread's That's great. Cool. Like, I can't blame. I love bread. Bread is so good. I love bread. It's so good. So if bread is why they invented farming, I totally understand. Yeah, me too. Um, there's abundant evidence from the site that the Natufians had a meat and plant-based diet. So uh, that sounds like all the ingredients you need for a sandwich. <laughs> Just throwing that out there. Do you think it's possible they I invented it, the sandwich too? Uh, we, I mean, if they find the charred remains of a sandwich, you know, we'll know. And I, that's what I'm hoping oh, man, they'll this find is a next. Burke sandwich. Because, because... You know, you need your three macros, right? You need proteins, carbs, and fats. Mm -hmm. And the meat provided the protein and fats, and they needed the carbs, and they needed bread. Exactly. These people needed bread. They needed bread. They needed bread more, needs more, more than they needed farming. <laughs> they needed <laughs> so the researchers have actually tried to reproduce the bread now. And they, uh, they succeeded in making a flour from the type of tuber that was used uh, in this early oh. recipe. Uh, but one of the researcher, researchers said uh, it might be an acquired taste because it's quite gritty and salty, but a little bit sweet. <laughs> so, I'm trying to imagine bread with those words applied yeah, to it, and I'm not really like sure. San sandy bread. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, doesn't like sound, gritty bread. Doesn't, you know, ugh, doesn't sound so great. No. But, uh, but that does show that uh, they could have actually made it. All right. So old bread. How about that? <laughs> That's pretty cool. Yeah. My next story is international news. And this is from CNN Travel. And the headline is, Giant Jeff Goldblum statue appears in London. <laughs> I saw this. <laughs> good, because it it's is, really funny. <laughs> it, is, it is so very good. CNN, 25 years ago, Jurassic Park brought velociraptors to a new generation and broke a few box office records in the meantime. It also had the unlikely benefit of turning Jeff Goldblum, who played Dr. Ian Malcolm in the film, into a sex symbol. Side note, I did not know that was a thing. <laughs> was I, not aware of that. I have, I have heard, I've heard rumors, but yeah. <laughs> well, anyway, apparently that's a thing. Um, 
So now to commemorate both of those events, a 25-foot, 330-pound statue of Goldblum in character as Dr. Malcolm, (laughs) more specifically as a reclining, open-shirted Dr. Malcolm, has appeared in London next to the famous Tower Bridge. The statue will be on display through July 26th. (laughs) Um, And it goes on to say that the movie doesn't have any specific connection to London, but for some reason they wanted to put the statue up. <laughs> um, so people can take pictures in front of it. Yeah. Uh, and this is not the first time that London has done something like this. Um, in 2013, uh, they put up an enormous fiberglass Colin Firth in his costume as from Miss, uh, his costume as Mr. Darcy from Pride and Prejudice huh. into the river, like emerging from the river because there's a scene in that movie uh-huh. where he like, is in a river and like comes out and he's like soaking wet and stuff. So they like recreated that. (laughs) (laughs) So at least that one has some like British ties to it. Right. So I can, yeah, that one makes more sense. Yeah. The Jeff Goldblum, I'm not sure, but is this the second week in a row that Jeff Goldblum has come up in an episode? Yes. Okay, good. That was also why I wanted to do this story (laughs) because he just came up last week. (laughs) Excellent. Excellent. (laughs) I, I saw this and I thought I saw a different article because I, I think the 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 statue is placed so that like the back of it is in front of is like facing a church. And like oh, the, okay. and, the, and one of the ministers at the church was like, it's OK. <laughs> <laughs> but they interviewed the minister. They interv- like, how they do you interviewed feel the about that? Yeah, about giant, how he felt. Uh, it's like, it's fine. It's a uh, it's a uh, it's bringing people uh near the church and uh and that's all that's only good it's good publicity for for the church it's like i don't I, buddy okay. i don't think it's actually right. doing I anything for i don't you. think i don't think it's doing anything for you but you can go on thinking that i guess <laughs> so it's just ridiculous i i don't know i just find it like who sponsors this type of effort you know Man, like, if i if i had this is like the government if i had all the money in the world I would be doing stuff like this all the time. I would commission like giant, just random statues of celebrities and just put them places. Yeah, you would. Do you, don't you think that would be fun? I, I think. It, I do think it would be fun. I think it'd be really fun. I, I think it's really fun. I'm just wondering, like, did the city of London like say we should do this? Because that's really fun and not something that would happen in the U.S. I feel right. like. <laughs> yeah, I do wonder. <laughs> Especially anyway. not in like the capital. Yeah, it's there. That's like if this happened in like DC, right? It's like Washington DC put up like I don't know some celebrity like giant statue of like an attractive celebrity or something. <laughs> it's like why? Yes. Oh, because it's fun. Like the U.S. government doesn't do that. <laughs> <laughs> no fun in DC. I wish I was going to London in like the next couple weeks. <laughs> Same. All right. Uh, the the last story that I brought with me is technology news. This comes from digitaltrends.com. Rolls-Royce is creating a fleet of robotic snakes and beetles to repair airplane engines. Huh. So this is one of the stories where I really recommend you go to the link when we share it. um, Because they have a video of like a concept for what this will look like. That Um, sounds really cool. But uh, so the story is as part of its so-called intelligent engine project, Researchers from Rolls-Royce have laid out plans for snake and insect swarm-inspired robots that will crawl inside engines to carry out inspections and perform maintenance. Uh, they can do repairs in the form of removing damaged material or putting material back in. Uh, 
So the idea is that this this snake robot um, could just gain access to an engine. So they just kind of just like are able to stick it into like a hole in the engine that like a person couldn't fit Mm -hmm. in. Kind of like an endoscope, like the ones that the doctors use to like check inside of patients' bodies. Um, And then that snake robot like deploys a little swarm of tiny miniature beetle-like robots that are about 10 mil- millimeters in diameter, and then they can crawl around inside the engine and, like, perform this maintenance. <laughs> that's wild. Isn't that, that cool? That's possible today? Yeah. Like, I, that, I know. That it's like very, like... I, it seems very future Sci-fi. But maybe of. because they're, like, really small and, like, limited function, it's it's something that they can manage like, to what do. what can a 10 millimeter robot even do? I guess it could, like, I don't know. Maybe it can clean something? Like Okay, I, I, I could I, see I that. Know. I'm no roboticist. Is that a thing? (laughs) I'm no robotician. (laughs) A robotanist. (laughs) That should totally be a term. Robotanist. I love it. Somebody who makes robot plants like those dancing sunflowers. (laughs) Why can't it just be a regular, any person that makes robots? Robotanist. Robotanist. I don't know. I'm, I love I'm it. Love it. If you go, if you robot scientists don't have a name yet, you can use that one for free. That's my mm-hmm. gift to you. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they say they're not probably going to be doing this in um, Rolls Royce cars anytime soon. Uh, the people who are in charge of the plane stuff are a separate entity. Um, oh, okay. Within the company, but uh, yeah, the, they'd be able to re- control these robots remotely, so they could like repair a plane in another country from like another country wow. <laughs> that's how that works <laughs> they could repair a plane in another country from a third country <laughs> wait why are we in this country <laughs> we're just talking about it in this one <laughs> i don't know i'm just a robotanist wow. <laughs> that is super cool and super i want to cool. go watch I, yeah the definitely video about definitely it. watch the video when we share it because it is it's it's like this neat concept video and it just yeah, like shows this, it, kind of, it shows um, this snake going, snaking into an engine and just kind of spitting out some little robots. Wow. And, uh, and then they go and do, do the whole thing. It reminds me a little bit of star Wars too. Like yeah. having a droid on your ship oh, yeah. to do stuff, you know, it's I like, think we're going to see more and more of that kind like of that. stuff too, as robots get more advanced. Yeah, probably. It's super cool. That was technology news. Guess what? What? It's time for breaking oh, wow. news. Oh man, it came so much faster than I expected. <laughs> even though I know exactly when it comes. <laughs> I was caught off guard this time. Yeah, it's always a pleasant surprise. <laughs> it's time for breaking news—the part of the show where we look up stories that were just posted today or just happened today and read them to you on the fly. Ready, set, go. go. Okay, I found a story on ABC News, and the headline is, 71-year-old woman encounters bear inside her kitchen. <laughs> yes. Suffers injuries to her face and head, oh. unfortunately. Oh, no. It got uh, sad real quick. Yeah. A 71-year-old woman suffered injuries to her face and head when she encountered a bear that entered her home in Groton, New Hampshire. This wasn't in California. <laughs> huh. Um, the woman named April Rogers is wheelchair bound and came across the bear in her kitchen after it entered through an open screen door. 
Uh, after the bear entered the house, the door shut behind it, leaving it trapped inside. So it, it somehow the door was open and then it closed and then it was trapped in the kitchen. Um, Rogers accidentally blocked the bear's exit in an effort to get out. The bear lashed out in panic, like hurting her basically. But then it, it was just trying to like get out of the kitchen. Right. It wasn't actually trying to like attack her or anything. Um, yeah. A cornered animal can get dangerous. Right. Right. Her injuries do not appear to be life threatening. It says. Oh, good. Um, after the encounter, the bear escaped the home by smashing through a window. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So they're now they're trying to find that bear now, but, uh, it says that bear encounters have increased in that area recently due to human encroachment on their territory and that the bears are attracted to sources of food and human dwellings, which like makes sense that they right. don't get attracted to food. So, um, but yeah, so another bear got another... into someone's house. <laughs> Man, these bear, these like... bear B&Es, the <laughs> breaking and entering of bears. Oh, I was like, wait, what? Bear and enter? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, apparently they happen more often than, than you I would thought. Think. Yeah. Because like, there's like something like this every week, I right? feel like. I so... I've never seen a bear in person, so. Neither have I, I except I... at a zoo. Well, yeah, that's. But out in the wild, no. But not in the wild, no. And I don't, I don't think they really wander around the suburbs, so. Not usually. Not usually. It has happened. Right. Maybe I'll go home and there'll be a bear in my house. I hope not. Well, I hope not, too. I'll just make sure that, that I open the door and get out of the way. Yes. It sounds like if the you, best plan. <laughs> if you find a bear in your home, yes. just give it a clean path to an exit from your home. Yeah. Is that what, is that the advice that we're giving? I think so. Okay. We're not bear. Sense. We're not bear scientists. We're not bear scientists. Bearotanists. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to come nope. up with a word, and then <laughs> I was, I was working it through in my head, and it, nothing worked. <laughs> okay, we'll know. just stick with bear scientists. Bear scientists. Yeah. All right. So that was my story. All right. My story also continues a knickknack news tradition. Uh, it's from the Washington Post. The CDC warns against eating this pasta salad. Oh, no. It has already sickened 21 people. Oh. Uh, So uh, it's a uh, spring pasta salad sold in Hy-Vee grocery stores, which is a chain I've never even heard of. Um, But it's in Iowa, Illinois, Missouri, Kansas, Nebraska, South Dakota, Minnesota, and Wisconsin. Okay. Um, 21 people have gotten sick from salmonella. Uh, five have been hospitalized, but nobody's died. So that's good. It's it's seems to be relatively contained, and they know the cause. Uh, salmonella, for those of you who don't know, can cause infection. It's a bacterial infection that can cause diarrhea, fever, and stomach cramps. Um, Twelve to t- seventy-two hours after exposure, and lasts from four to seven days. Uh, most people recover without treatment, but those four to seven days are not so great, <laughs> um, for what it sounds like. Um, so the company recalled its pasta on Tuesday uh, of this week, and uh, there's just information on what it looked like. But um, if you think you might have purchased this pasta <laughs> pasta salad, uh, uh, probably throw it out. Uh, um, or if you purchased pasta salad from a Payless Shoes, you should also throw that out. <laughs> Pay less shoes source, <laughs> not pay less pasta source. Right. How many times do we have to tell you? So uh, this latest report of a food break 
a foodborne outbreak follows a warning about uh, Kellogg's Honey Smack cereal, which I believe we have also <laughs> talked about. Yes. Uh, which uh, infected about 100 people with salmonella. And uh, <laughs> they also referenced the uh, spring E. coli <laughs> outbreak <laughs> linked to tainted romaine lettuce. <laughs> There were more than 200 people infected in Ooh. three dozen states. So, That's a lot. Uh, yeah, that's the latest in uh, what not to eat from Nick Nick News. <laughs> <laughs> Store brand spring pasta salad <laughs> from the Hy-Vee grocery stores. That's H-Y-V-E-E. Right. Good to know. Never heard of it. I've never heard of it either. It's got to be. Must not like be in Ohio. All right. Well, that's our show. Thanks for listening, everybody. We release our episodes every Friday, and as always, the links to this week's stories will be in the episode description. You can uh, subscribe to Knickknack News on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and pretty much all the services. Uh, and uh, you can follow us on Facebook.com slash News and on Twitter at, at News. And uh, in addition to subscribing, why don't you uh, leave a, leave a little uh, rating review? rate and review you know a little r and r we love it we love to read them so uh yeah. keep them coming all right thanks everybody bye bye